the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. China sending troops to Russia for joint training. China uh, has increased tensions uh, with Taiwan. The CDC vows an internal overhaul to repair its reputation. And in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. Liz Cheney is pondering a 2024 presidential run. But it is something that I, uh, I'm thinking about. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, August 18th. I'm Mike Scott. According to reports, Chinese troops are scheduled to travel to Russia to take part in joint military exercises led by the former Soviet state. But China isn't the only country taking part. Other countries who are to participate include India, Belarus, Mongolia, Tajikistan, and others. The joint military drills come on the heels of growing tensions between the U.S. and China over Taiwan after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island country a few weeks ago and with more recent delegations of American lawmakers who also paid Taiwan a visit. Back in February, Russia and China announced a no-limits partnership which has deepened the relations between the two countries since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. China, for its part, has refused to sanction Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, and it refuses to condemn the war. Hugh Whitfield is the European Bureau Chief for Australia's News 7, and says that China's involvement in the drills is, according to China, unrelated to the current international situation. There'll be a group of countries attending these war games hosted by Russia, the usual suspects, including Russian ally Belarus, but also China and India. China's defence ministry saying in a statement that these, uh, these war games are unrelated to the current international and regional situation, which will surprise many, considering that Russia has invaded Ukraine on its western front and in the east, China uh, has increased tensions uh, with Taiwan following the visit by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and in a reminder, perhaps, of just how big Russia is, these war games will be held uh, close to the Chinese border to the east of Siberia, thousands of kilometres away from Ukraine. Whitfield goes on to explain that the involvement of India in the war games is leaving some security experts scratching their heads. India's involvement has also piqued the interest of uh, security experts considering that India is a partner of Australia, Japan and the United States in the Quad Alliance and comes at a time when Vladimir Putin uh, has criticised the United States uh, saying that the US is, quote, stirring up the situation in the Asia-Pacific through the AUKUS Alliance, which he has described as an aggressive political-military alliance. So uh, there'll be questions, particularly 
particularly in Canberra and Washington, about India's in involvement in these war games, uh, no doubt China's uh, involvement as well. It's been called the Vostok War Games. That's Russian for East. That obviously points to the fact it'll be held in the uh, Asia-Pacific region, uh, essentially on the, on the Chinese border, due to begin at the end of this month. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said he told the Chinese foreign minister in July that he was concerned about China's alignment with Russia. The U.S. has warned China of consequences if Beijing would send economic aid to Russia. According to a new internal review of the CDC, the agency did not react quickly enough to the COVID pandemic. As a result... Director Rochelle Walensky is reorganizing the agency. According to Walensky, several organizational changes will be laid out and implemented over the next few months in order to correct failures that occurred during the last two years. Walensky said in a statement, for 75 years, the CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19. And in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. End quote. Angelique Kemlani of Yahoo Finance says the CDC has admitted that their response to COVID was a failure. Well, we got word about the CDC director basically meeting with senior staff and talking about how much the CDC has come under fire over the last two years, essentially. Yeah. But really, even after the Biden administration took over and in the first public sort of admission saying, quote, for 75 years, the CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19. And in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. Really a strong admission there about, you know, the confusion that's really been happening. The CDC has really just been criticized so much over the, especially in the last few months with the relaxation of guidelines, especially, uh, and being confusing and, and often giving people what seems like whiplash when it comes to, you know, the change in policy. So really a, a strong move there. Kemlani explains that the CDC is trying to simplify guidelines. So first of all, on that communication portion, you know, sharing data and faster and science learnings and faster. Right now, we waited for the CDC to complete all of their review of the data and then publish. That's why you saw weeks, uh, you know, information come out weeks after it was actually useful. Uh, they're trying to share it in sort of a preprint. We've, we've gotten so used to that over this pandemic, right? Preprints are the name of the game. Get it out first and get it out fast. So looking to do that, easier to understand policies and shifting the way that they do promotions right now, the CDC focuses on how many uh, publications you get in one of those scientific journals, for example, to help push you through your promotion. They're going to look on people who are more dedicated to actual public health activity. Kemlani goes on to say that the CDC will also restructure that organization in order to do. So that's really a big one. Also restructuring who responds to the director. They're now ensuring that more information gets streamlined straight to the director. And then the last really big one out there is the new office to streamline communication between states, territories, other jurisdictions and federal agencies, which we saw, you know, such a breakdown over the pandemic. So a lot really happening in there. The CDC has faced a lot of criticism during the pandemic for confusing public health recommendations. Public health experts often were frustrated that briefings on the pandemic relied on data from other countries, such as the U.K. and Israel. 
On Tuesday, President Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act, which finally came to his desk after months of backroom negotiations. While the White House and many other Democrats, like Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, claim the bill will reduce inflation, most experts are finding that the bill would only ease inflation by one-tenth of one percent over five years. As a result, some media outlets have begun referring to the bill as the Climate and Health Bill, citing the $370 billion going towards investments in climate change and so-called energy security. Jerry Boyer, the host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast, author of The Maker vs. The Tinkers, and a columnist for Forbes.com, joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss what Americans need to know about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Well, the first one is that the title of the bill has absolutely nothing to do with the content of the bill. Uh, This is Build Back Better, They had Build Back Better kind of hanging around for a while, really for years. This is a kind of a Joe Biden big bang infrastructure idea that he's really been carrying around in his pocket uh, for probably a decade or more. And they wanted to get it through and they kept uh, running into problems. And then at some point, someone said, oh, well, inflation's a big thing. A lot of people seem to be upset about inflation. So let's just uh, take a pen and, you know, scratch out Build Back Better and put the word inflation on this bill that doesn't have anything whatsoever to do with inflation, which is pretty cynical. I mean, I uh, look, I know how they do it in Washington. They always name things to pass. But this one was pretty unbelievable. <laughs> Simply change the name and say, oh, inflation's a hot topic now. This is the inflation-beating bill, um, which, by the way, um, last week we got the new inflation numbers, and Joe Biden said inflation was zero. Uh, now, that's not really true. But if he believes inflation is zero, then why do we need an Inflation Reduction Act? You don't want to be lower than zero. Boyer says that the bill's fixation on taxing businesses will impact small business and startups. Takeaway number two is that it has tax hikes, uh, business tax hikes that are bad for the economy, and they're also unfair. Um, And these are minimum taxes. So you think, well, shouldn't corporations have to pay a minimum amount of tax no matter what? No, not really. Startup corporations frequently frequently, uh, lose money uh, for years and years and years. Um, And under current law, you know, when they start to make a little money, they get to take those losses from the past and kind of average it out. I'm oversimplifying a little bit. But instead, what this means is the moment you can lose two or three billion dollars, but the moment you make a penny, you have to start paying taxes on it. Um, It's also um, the way they've organized this is it's a very complicated way um, in order to track the taxes, Um, alternative minimum minimum taxes like this. I used to be a tax accountant and calculating alternative minimum minimum tax is a big job. So this is going to be really good for lawyers and for tax accountants. Maybe I should go back to being a tax accountant uh, now. Boyer explains that both parties are complicit when it comes to the government spending more money than it should. The third thing is that it really shows that we have a bipartisan, largely bipartisan spending consensus here in Washington. Because even though this passed along pretty strictly partisan lines, we didn't really have effective Republican resistance. So we were not able to stop a big spending bill. We had big spending bills under Trump. 
The Democrats weren't able to stop that. We have a big spending bill under Biden, and the Republicans aren't able to stop that. So the one thing the system, no matter what people say, no matter how they talk, if you look at what actually happens, the one thing the system agrees on in terms of results is that we should be spending more money. Boyer says he does believe that the IRS, with its 87,000 new agents, will go after Americans making less than $400,000 a year. I don't believe it um, because, I mean, after all, Americans making less than $400,000 a year can commit tax fraud, right? So are we going to create a category where you, we won't go after you if, if, you're, if you're committing tax fraud, but you're making less than $400,000 a year? I mean, if they're doing their job, they should go after everybody. And of course, they will go after everybody. Look, the problem with all these IRS agents isn't that, you know, it's a lot of question of whether we have uh, you know, too much tax fraud that people are getting away with. I think generally people are honest. It's more like this. Having been in business, when the IRS shows up, you're scared. So, okay, so you can go through an IRS audit. Um, you can go through government agency audits. I've been through that process. You can know that you've done nothing wrong. You can go through that process and come out clean as a whistle. But between the time that starts and the time that ends, half of your life is about that because the stakes are so high. So when you get that scary letter from the IRS, um, they can say, you know, look, if you haven't broken the law, you don't have anything to worry about. But you will worry. Right. Because that's the nature of um, the IRS. They have legal enforcement powers. So this is really intimidating uh, to small business owners. Boyer says the IRS will, in his opinion, impact small business owners. By the way, when we're talking about people making four hundred thousand dollars a year, is he including in that people who are owners of S corporations? In other words, the business they own a business. So let's say somebody has a business and that business makes a million dollars a year, but they're not taking, they're only taking $200,000 a year out of the business. Mm -hmm. The way the tax code treats it, you're making a million dollars a year, even though you don't, you're not getting your hands on the money. So a lot of small business people technically are making a lot more money than they really are in reality making the way the tax code is structured. So whenever they say we're not going after the little guy, they always forget that there's a whole category of people, people who own subchapter S corporations or LLCs who might not be taking home that much cash. They might barely kind of barely be making it, but they're making a profit and they're reinvesting it in the business. They look rich but they don't live rich. And yes, they're going to be going after those people. The host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast shares some advice on what Americans can do to prepare for what he sees coming down the pipeline in the economy. Work hard so that when the layoffs come, you're the last one laid off. Become an, in, become an invaluable employee. If you're not employed, get a job now, quick, while there's a labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Work very hard so you become indispensable Maybe start a side gig, a little side hustle, some side business or something like that so that you're diversified because you know, we've got some pretty serious economic uh, headwinds in front of us. We already did have some serious economic headwinds in front of us in terms of a high level of debt and some demographic problems. Uh, and now with tax hikes, we have even more. So yeah, you got to be ready for this. Um, also, cut back on your spending. It's as simple as that. Um, and uh, as you have more inflation, I think we're going to have more inflation. What do you do? No, you have to. I mean, if things cost more, mm-hmm. buy less of them. Uh, otherwise, you're going to go into debt, and you don't want to be going into debt.
Uh, so those are the things that I would recommend that people do. Just practical, practical advice. And if you're still scared after that, do a little gardening. It helps with the budget. And, you know, you grow some of your own stuff, and it's a nice hobby. Planned Parenthood says it will spend $50 million to defeat pro-life legislation on the ballot in several states this fall. Daybreak Insider correspondent Bob Agnew has more on this story. A patchwork of pro-life bills have emerged in several states, mostly in the South and Midwest, since the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. Planned Parenthood, beneficiary of hundreds of millions in federal dollars each year, says it will spend a lot of that money to defeat pro-life measures and promote broader abortion rights at the state level. Both sides appear to have been encouraged by recent events as they approach the fall midterms. Pro-lifers by the historic high court ruling, abortion advocates by the recent defeat in Kansas of a bill that would have placed broad new limits on abortion. Bob Agner reporting. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney may have lost her primary race on Tuesday night to Harriet Hageman, who will be representing Wyoming next year. But that doesn't mean her political aspirations have dissipated. Cheney may soon be leaving Congress But she has already launched a new organization to oppose former President Donald Trump and has hinted her own plans for the White House. During her concession speech, Cheney seemed to compare herself to Abraham Lincoln, who also lost elections. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people by the people, and for the people shall not perish from this earth. Joining NBC's Today Show, after some prodding, Cheney finally admitted she is thinking about running for president. Uh, We have a tremendous amount of work left to do on the January 6th committee. Uh, And also, though, uh, I'm going to be making sure that people all around this country understand the stakes of what we're facing, understand the extent to which Uh, We've now got uh, one major political party, my party, uh, which has really become uh, a cult of personality. And we've got to get this party back to a place where we're embracing the values and the principles on which it was founded uh, and and talking about, you know, fundamental uh, issues of civics, fundamental issues of what does it mean to be a constitutional republic. But, Congresswoman, you didn't answer me yes or no. I know that Donald Trump. I will be doing whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. Well, I know you didn't say yes or no, and that's fine if you're thinking about it. But are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about running for president? It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. A Florida state's attorney, Andrew Warren, who was suspended from office earlier this month, has filed a lawsuit against Governor Ron DeSantis for being removed temporarily from office. Governor DeSantis, when speaking of Warren's removal, stated that he acted because the former state's attorney signed a pledge saying he would not prosecute people for violating state law, restricting abortions, and prohibiting the gender-affirming care of some minors. For his part, 
Warren says the governor violated his First Amendment right to freedom of speech. Warren also states that while he has vocalized his support for abortion and gender-affirming care, he had not yet taken any action on those issues, and there were no cases pending. Warren argues that his lawsuit isn't about his job, it's about Florida's democracy. We didn't seek out this fight, but the law is on our side and our democracy is at stake. When the governor is saying things about the job I did or didn't do, that's not what this is about. This is about what I said, not about the job that I did as state attorney. DeSantis states that Warren's refusal to enforce clear Florida law is a dereliction of duty. Saying you're just not going to enforce the law is by definition uh, a dereliction of duty. Aaron Mesmer of Fox 17 in Florida explains the details of the Warren lawsuit. Warren says that reasoning violates his right to free speech. In a lawsuit filed Wednesday, he's asking a judge to force the governor to rescind his order, reinstate Warren as state attorney, and prevent the governor from taking this action again. He's retaliating against me for what I've said, which is a violation of my First Amendment rights. And two, he's abusing the power granted him under the Florida Constitution to suspend without any legal justification. But Governor DeSantis maintains Warren didn't just say he wouldn't prosecute cases involving certain laws, that he had policies instructing his staff not to. And in a statement to Fox 13, the governor said, quote, It's not surprising Warren, who was suspended for refusing to follow the law, would file a legally baseless lawsuit challenging his suspension. DeSantis has appointed Susan Lopez as acting state attorney. Warren, however, filed a separate motion asking a judge to issue an injunction and give him his job back immediately. Warren tries to go on to say that it's not just all about him. This is not about one elected official being suspended from office. This is about the attempted overthrow of democracy in Florida. As of yet, DeSantis's office hasn't responded to the lawsuit. Depending on what happens in court, Warren's suspension from office may also be reviewed by the state Senate. Florida's Senate is likely to defer action until after court proceedings. Airbnb is rolling out new technology. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on that story. The technology will spot and block people who try to use the short term rental service to throw a party. The new system examines the renter's history on Airbnb, how far they live from the rental listing, and other factors. The system has been tested since last October in parts of Australia, and Airbnb says it led to a 35% drop in unauthorized parties. Airbnb has been undergoing pressure to clamp down on parties since 2019, when a Halloween house party in a San Francisco suburb ended with five people dead in a shooting. John Scott reporting. NASA's new moon rocket arrived at the launch pad Wednesday ahead of its debut flight, which will take place in less than two weeks. The 322-foot rocket emerged from its hangar, drawing crowds of Kennedy Space Center workers, many of whom were not born yet, when NASA sent astronauts to the moon a half century ago. It took nearly 10 hours for the rocket to make the four-mile trip to the pad, pulling up at sunrise. NASA is aiming for an August 29 liftoff for the lunar test flight. No one will be inside the crew capsule on top of the rocket, just three mannequins swarming with sensors 
to measure radiation and vibration. At a NASA news conference, Thomas Berger with the German Aerospace Center says the test dummies inside the capsule are human-like anthropomorphic phantoms. Human bones, human lung tissue, uh, human brain tissue. So in principle, the phantoms are tissue equivalent in itself. So that means if you have radiation passing through the phantoms, the interaction of these radiations are similar to the interaction of radiation passing through a human body. At that news conference, scientist Sergio Santamaria with the NASA Ames Research Center said this day has been a long time in coming. I'm so excited to see the rocket finally on the launch pad. At that news conference, Yi Zhang, a scientist with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, says they will be studying the effects of radiation to eventually send astronauts back to the moon. Our program is to enable humans to thrive in deep space as we prepare to return to the moon and eventually onto Mars. And finally, cops usually have a prime suspect. But in this case, it's a primate suspect. San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office believes it was a little capuchin monkey that called 911 from a zoo last Saturday night. Zoo owner Lisa Jackson says that capuchin monkey made the 911 call. Capuchin monkeys are amazing. They're tool users. They're so smart. She's got thumbs, and she's got more than enough ability. She sees me all the time, texting and playing with the phone. So I think that's pretty much what she did. Jackson says at first she didn't understand why sheriff's deputies showed up at the zoo. Hi, officers, what can we help you with? And then they told us what happened, and I said, oh, my gosh, that was rude. And the first thing I said was, I am so sorry. San Luis Obispo Sheriff spokesman Tony Cipolla said that when the 911 call came in, there was no one on the other end, and the dispatcher called the number back. Our dispatchers tried to respond back, call back, text back, no response. So in cases like that, we always send deputies out to investigate. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.